0: Today, in the Topping Show, Elizabeth Holmes is ordered to go to prison. Jewel settles lawsuits in six states. Warner Brothers launches a streaming service. A janitor saves a Christian school. A pair of Air Jordans become the most expensive sneakers ever auctioned off. Biden administration wants to further propose more re- EPA regulations on the automotive industry. The USPS wants to raise prices of stamps yet again. And NPR is living Twitter. They'll surely be missed. Probably. Well, not really. All that and much, much more on the Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of the Top Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their owner at least twice a day. I have to say he's quite handsome and brilliant. That's me. That, that is the joke. If you need any help with your business owner or IT theory, reach us at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, going to talk about Elizabeth Holmes. She's a former scam artist and CEO of Theranos, which was proposed to be a revolutionary blood testing technology, where they claimed that all they needed was a little pinprick of blood and they could run a myriad of tests, thereby saving countless dollars as well as man hours. And you just had to put it into this little magical black box. If you sign an NDA, you can take a look. Another, And by the way, she'll sue you if you say anything. And, of course, it turned out to be all vaporware. And she's also known for dressing up like Steve Jobs and overall having a creepy stare and talking like this. So her voice was... It's funny to watch the video compilations of her before she became famous, and then after she became famous when she started to dress up like Steve Jobs and talk like a man. Quite entertaining. Now, she was convicted previously, and specifically that sociopath, I mean uh, entrepreneur, she found in Theranos... Value was once $9 billion before people realized it was all BS. Now, a judge has recently ordered to put her back in prison after she requested to remain, remain free on bail as she goes through her appeals process. Now, she is currently sentenced for 11 years and three months in a prison. That sentence was ruled last November, and yet she's still out and walking about. So now she'll actually be put back where she belongs as she attempts to appeal it pending further evidence. Why we allow that it's important because you never know what might come forth but at this case in this case there's such an overwhelming myriad and volume of evidence that was all a scam it's beyond a reasonable doubt it's not going to get overturned now going on over to jewel other interesting businesses famous e-cigarette manufacturer is selling lawsuits in six states and that will be most of them. They're saying that most of the they will be done with all their lawsuits soon. They approved a whopping $462 million for those settlements of those six states, including California and New York. The company was accused of marketing its products towards underage users. And part of the settlement, they also agreed to not have any marketing materials to anyone under 35 appear in their ads. Which is a little ageist. Also, another interesting development you you can't just be 18 and go out and buy a pack of smokes or e-cigs many of these states and laws are going to be targeting them if they're 21. yet another interesting unusual thing where you're a legal citizen you can vote pay taxes go to the military if you're 18 but can't buy a handgun and you can't buy e-cigs logic and laws are usually like oil and water they really don't make much sense now other interesting businesses warner brothers going to launch yet another streaming services because we don't have enough every single channel internet company manufacturer material distribution everyone has their own streaming platform and consumers just love getting so many of those options because they have or especially right now in this economy they have an exuberance of money to spend on entertainment there's just so much to go around why not sign up for yet another streaming service now, it's going to be called Get This. Previously, it was HBO Max, which made sense because HBO is an iconic company. They're basically the founder of the subscription services. It used to be one way to get around the FCC. You used to have public broadcasting, public cable, and all that stuff where you had to be approved, had to have certain criteria. However, HBO came up with a brilliant idea. if They just ship you a box in the mail, do a private network, some to that effect. Well, you could circumvent a lot of those rules because you're not. It's not being brought out to the public, it's only if you pay for that subscription. So a very revolutionary idea at the time. And there's a lot of prestige in that name, HBO, since for generations it's defined premium TV and a premium product, albeit more raunchy than some might care for. Now, really original, they're going to rename it to Max. And it will also include Disney Plus and other Warner Brothers materials that was brought along through The Verger. For the merger, rather, so it's going to be called Max, which is also a person's name. One of those things where it's fascinating to think someone spent millions upon millions of dollars doing focus groups and testing that name. And apparently, according to those studies, it's a plus. It's going to be a great knock it out of the park. People will remember that name. Maybe now it's going to be interesting to see how many companies really, really succeed. You have an oversaturated in the market. There's more subscription services than people can count, and also with this merger, they have fifty billion dollars in debt. So unless they want to take out more, that means they're not going to go out. They're most likely not going to go out and buy extra materials to put on their platform. Famously, Netflix paid about hundred million dollars for the, just just one year for a one year license to put the TV show Friends on their platform which many say they made up their money because people actually bought Netflix subscriptions for that one thing, or maybe they treated it as a loss leader where they lost money knowing that people just go there for that and they'll eventually stay around because most, most subscription services tra- traditionally in business are very sticky in terms of once people get signed up for it, it's usually prohibitively, most people don't wanna get off the platform they don't wanna go through the hassle of canceling the subscription service. Famously, think of gym memberships. Those also, you have to jump through a bunch of hoops. But same overall idea. Subscriptions, more often than not, they stick. So, we're interested to see if this is actually a successful business venture for the new Warner Brothers conglomerate, or if they would have just made more lic- money just licensing it out to the other big behemoths. You have Disney Plus and Netflix taking up a majority of the market share. You also have NBC having their own streaming platform, I think that's called Peacock, and you have Hulu. There's a lot, you could spend hours just talking about the oversaturation market, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Now, going back to the culture part of the podcast, and for once, we actually have some moderate... Oh, this is good news. I was about to say moderate. It's actually good. It's more than moderate. And this is a situation where a janitor actually ended up saving the day at a Christian school. And recently, a lot of the tragedies in the news have been religious faith-based institutions, especially schools, being attacked by Ill, mentally ill perpetrators. Now, this was a student at the school and they busted him via the janitor seeing an empty box of rifle magazines in the trash bin by the dormitory which led him to question why is this here which the ripple effect they ended up finding more and more suspicious things that in and of itself is not very suspicious considering it was in the Midwest and that's a lot of, a lot of people enjoy recreational as well as the right to have right and bear arms now it gets starts to get a little more interesting when this male student of age 20 who there's a lot of suspicion on his mental state orientation he had Jesus hair and looked like he might be taking some supplements materials and pharmaceuticals evidence is still out for that though or still to be determined and in his dormitory once they did, they conducted a search they found a hand drawn map of the campus which with actual instructions written on the map as to how to inflict the most damage via attacks, so that's pretty damning evidence, and also shows he's other further evidence shows he's lower on the revolutionary platform. Or, um, he actually, or evolutionary, oh, there's a certain saying. So someone correct me in the comments. It's not quite at the tip of my tongue. Lower on the lower on the evolutionary chain. That's the actual saying. So he actually had a plan to to steal ammo from Walmart and he drew out the plan, which I don't know how many brain cells you have to have or how many you have to lack, to actually need a plan to steal something from Walmart and yet, and then be dumb enough to actually write it down and put it into evidence. It's Walmart. They actually, many districts and district attorneys don't even prosecute theft these days. And even though it's locked in most stores, a brick or a simple lockpick, it, it's not a grand plan or it doesn't take a nuclear physicist to write down these instructions to do that. That was a little, another f- snafu on his part. Now, he also texted a suspicious, pic- a suspicious picture where he had a loaded magazine, uh, a little cache of loaded magazines on a school bench saying, kids have no, quote quids kids, you have no idea what's in here. Which, also poor taste, and that is certainly a unusual thing to do and suspicious. Now, He is currently in jail, and he is being held at a $100,000 bail. His attorney claims that someone else drew those pictures and the maps that are in his room, and he just happened to have them. Now, time shall tell how this plays out, but with the given evidence we have, it seems like this janitor did a phenomenal job of preventing a tragedy, which is also a great thing. Now, other more upbeat cultural news, you have the most expensive sneakers ever sold at auction recently. And of course... They were Air Jordans, which of course is a brand owned by Nike and the iconic Michael Jordan, who's a great, great, great base, uh, baseball player. I say that somewhat ironically. He um he had for uh or was it golf? He had to leave basketball for a couple of seasons. And people don't like to talk about that. Uh, nevertheless, of course, one of the most iconic basketball players in history. Now, it'll be interesting to see this new pair was actually a signed pair of Air Jordans. I believe they was Air Jordan eights. And they were worn by Michael Jordan during the 1998 NBA Finals, and that hit the auction price of $2.2 million. Now, a lot of people are speculating, did this movie help boost the numbers? So recently you had a movie with Ben Affleck and a couple other fame. maybe it was Matt Damon. There's a couple of big shots in the movie where they talk about that iconic business relationship where Nike was looking for a star to start advertising their products. And if you look at historically, they weren't the dominant force in the beginning. You had Reebok and you had other brands that were really working with the a name players in athletics. And I believe Matt Damon is the main pro- protagonist in the story. Where, where's it? Ben Affleck? One of those. One of those guys. But he actually goes to Michael Jordan. He has to convince the family and Michael that this would be a great idea. And he has to also convince get political buy in from the Nike side saying, hey, this is a good idea, let's make this sneaker for this up-and-coming athlete that not everyone knows about yet, but we see something in him that no one else does. So it was a gamble, and of course, it turns out to be one of the, if not one of the, if not the most successful business relationships with a brand and a particular athlete I can think of. It's astonishingly how successful they've been. Of course, the sneakers now sell more than what my car is worth. And people collect them like they're Pokemon cards, not just because of the historical provenance, in this case, because they were worn, but also you have, it's a whole culture, which I actually did a little research, and I'll be darned, it is a thing. And it'll be interesting to see. Now, this actually surpasses the other auction record, which, of course, spoiler alert, was also your Jordans. Now, that previous record was for $1.47 million. And it did, in the article, it didn't specify the exact model of the shoe, but it was a sneaker with Michael Jordan on it iconic enough now going over to the politics part of the podcast the biden administration is proposing a new record-making epa regulation for the automotive companies to kneecap i mean regulate them and it's one of those situations where if they're not going to directly say we're banning internal combustion engines it's the de facto way to ban them by putting the bar so high that no gas-powered engine could hit those tailpipe regulations so spoiler it actually has to deal with the emissions for the tailpipe and how much particulates are coming out of it. Now, the new proposal for the auto pollution limits would m- limit two-thirds of new vehicles sale- sold in the US will be electric by 2032, a tenfold increase on the current EV sales. And no one's talking about the big elephant in the room, which is the lithium constraints, which is going to increase the price eventually. or oh, so that's going to be a concern. And also, if you've ever seen the acid fields where they actually mine lithium, it's not all green daisies, sun, and all that kind of happy stuff. There's a famous philosopher, and, or perhaps economist is a way to describe him, but a brilliant man named Thomas Sowell said, There's no solutions. There are only trade-offs. Which are sure. That's absolutely true. The more I think about it, the more I see it is a real thing. Think about electric cars. They don't take gasoline, but they, do make, they take gas products to make because they're made of plastics and also you have lithium also how do you power the gas car how do you charge it you have coal coal is one of the cheapest way to make electricity so a lot of electrical plants in the u.s are coal based so they're going to fuel that natural gas is a very clean way of using energy and manufacturing energy or creating energy more accurately for the consumer mass but that's becoming less and less popular is of course you're burning a fossil fuel that's not as attractive it doesn't sound as good in the headlines and of course you have the most efficient which is fission nuclear fission is phenomenally efficient and safe however you have chernobyl and a lot of you have a couple isolated incidents which were terrible and they're absolutely a horrific loss of life but it is also in those situations where if you look at the grants if you look at overall the safety of a natural nuclear plant they're quite safe when properly maintained and properly properly run However, they don't have a lot of public appeal or public support, which is why you see them dwindling in the number of units created as well as the number of units that are run. Now, this is going to be interesting how they actually pull this off. So the proposal would limit the tailpipe emissions for 2027 to 2032 model years. And it would be the strictest ever, ever imposed. And it would call for more EV sales than the previous two years, even more. So they had regulations two years ago, which raised the bar exponentially. And this is going even further, basically forcing them to go EV. Now, technically, the tailpipe pollution limits don't require a specific number of EVs sold every year, but instead mandate limits on the greenhouse gas emissions. The EPA projects at least 60% of new passenger cars sold in the USA will be electric by 2023, up to 67% by 2032. You have the EPA admin, Michael Reagan. He actually said about the proposal, this is the strongest ever federal pollution standards for both cars and trucks. So will be interesting to see how this plays out. And one of the most difficult situations, again, it all ties back to business, culture, politics. If you're an automotive manufacturer, you're making these decisions that are quite literally billion-dollar decisions you have to think about over the long term. And there's a lot of uncertainty, especially in the U.S. Who knows who's going to be president, president next? Who knows who's going to be in charge of the EPA next? If you invest all billions, by billions of dollars into a new plant, new technology, how it's one of those precarious situations it might be all for nothing so that's why historically a lot of automotive companies were a little bit more conservative when it comes to research development and manufacturing when you have a proven set of, of you have a successful business model and you want to innovate but you also want to do anything that might jeopardize your company and also put you out of business as a lot of these eb companies are not on the brink of bankruptcy but they're in a precarious situation where are not as as they're not as profitable as they need to be for long-term sustained growth. The only company thus far really to be successful is Teslas is because they were the industry leader and they lost money for several years and they finally got to the point where they're making a profit and they're selling a premium product. The issue I see is going to be the consumer entry level lithium ion vehicles. You have the Nissan Leaf, which I believe is one of the most common entry-level ones, but how durable will those be and how much will they cost? And I always tell folks if you want the the greatest ROI Just buy a Toyota Corolla, it's got an internal combustion, four-cylinder engine, and those things will last 500,000 miles, 600,000 miles. And Toyota consistently, those vehicles will hit a million miles and actually give the owner a new vehicle just to show them brand loyalty and to thank them. You will not get a million miles out of an EV with the current technology we have. So that means you're using these things. It's more of a disposable technology at the moment. Is that really great for the environment? And you also have companies like GM where... The battery is gonna be a structural component of the vehicle. So it's not like an engine where you can swap it out with a couple of bolts and wire connections. And by the way, an internal combustion engine, take out the oil, it's made of metal, just separate the metals by what kind of they are, melt them down, make new stuff. You have a giant lithium-ion battery pack, that's the structure of the vehicle, you can't remove that. You can't it's not like a hot swap, like changing down a AA battery, or like more appropriately, like, like the engine example I just said. So it means the whole vehicle, like a smartphone, is basically engineered to be disposable. And I believe the only major manufacturer I've heard of thus far with a full life cycle management in terms of they want to make the car as well as handle the disposal is Mercedes. I believe it is over in Germany, somewhere in Europe. They are building their own EV recycle plant, where their plan is to sell the vehicle, then actually recycle the vehicle internally to their attempt to try to get some of those precious metals. Albeit it is a hazardous, complicated process today for the technology will enhance things in the future but with so much uncertainty and you keep raising the bar more and more it's got to be difficult to be in the automotive market right now now going over to other interesting political news which will affect three people maybe four me included the united states postal service wants to increase the price of stamps which is why always buy forever stamps which are basically grandfathered in they cost a little bit more but they last forever Although that's also what the government's telling you, so take that with a grain of salt, I guess. So the UPS says they want to increase it to sixty six cents. Somewhat ironic or interesting. Maybe at least six sixty six cents or six dollars and sixty-six cents with given inflation, perhaps. Now that'd be a four point eight percent increase over the current price of sixty three cents. And a great way to get the cost to go to imagine if there was a way. Where you can get the costs of goods down lower through what's that word ah yes competition one of the reasons you can't take a piece of paper mail go to the you know go to fedex or go ups and say hey i want you to mail this they can't they hand it off to the postal service they cannot by law because i always wondered that because obviously if you mail something for their private company such as fedex and ups You get how do i say this infinitely better service than usps let's just say you can ship cookies they won't arrive as breadcrumbs or cookie crumbs more accurately and of course the private sector is moving faster more efficient but they can't touch that segment in the shipping business by law now if they could how much do you want to bet they can do it cheaper faster more effectively than the u.s government It almost seems like a sure thing what would it cost 18 cents 15 cents we'll never know because currently and correct me correct me in the comments if i'm wrong if they changed the law last week or something but that's just what it is at the moment so unfortunately the stamp prices increase and i'm one of four people who still buy stamps and still writes a handwritten card we are out there not many Single-handedly supported that, com- that government entity. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, NPR is leaving Twitter. Now, they announced on Wednesday that they would cease from posting on Twitter after the social media company labeled them as a, quote, state-affiliated media, quote, unquote, last week. Which is hilarious that Elon did that. And one of the top ten funny things he's done is he continues to amuse all of us, which is, business antics, as well as some brilliant ideas. Now, NPR receives indirect government funding, they get taxpayer money, and I always equate it to a child, which perhaps describes many of their staff, mentally at least. Now, you have a child, they do allowance for their parents. They cut the lawn for their parents, and their parents give them a $5 allowance. I know inflation's insane. Back in my day, it was maybe two bucks. And... The parents give them $5, so every week they mow the lawn, and they also write a book. So they're writing a book every week, and their parents pay paying them $5 a week to mow the lawn, or maybe more accurately, $5 a week to write whatever they want. Hmm. I wonder if there's a conflict. Or perhaps you would change your writing style to ensure you keep getting that allowance. Preposterous, NPR would say. That would never happen. No, no, no. Of course not. Now, even more hilarious is NPR's rebuttal. They claim, quote, NPR's organization account will no longer be on Twitter because the platform is taking actions that undermine our credibility by falsely implying that we are not editorial independent. Unquote. (laughs) Which, I don't know if this person is doing stand-up, but they should do stand-up because that is objectively hilarious. NPR is extremely, extremely biased. I've never seen them. It's almost like, almost getting compared to CNN, but for the public or publicly funded because they, they even in the article, they go they, with the White House, Jerry J. Pierre, whatever her name is, the White House Press secretary. Now, she actually praised NPR saying, hey, they do some really good, hard-hitting work. They do. Only for one side of the aisle, however. You see that, as a one lane street but now from a business perspective they are popular for some reason and i listen to them just so i can gain their perspective and heck i want to know what everyone's thinking I'll take their opinion i could learn a little bit of a thing or two or more likely not but you never know and from this perspective why would you leave one of the most popular platforms for social media is ridiculous and a lot of these companies this is the first major broadcasting company that's announcing they're going to leave but like a lot of celebrities they all said oh i'm leaving kind of like facebook and all these other social media things it's hilarious to see all them make a big bombastic statements about leaving the platform that oh they'll never be back and inevitably they come back because it is an effective way to get your message out there you have millions upon millions of people using these platforms they can see your messages so from a business decision to leave that and take away the ability to promulgate your ideals, kinda silly. I mean I believe it's was the Washington Post. There's another major publication where Elon took away their little blue check mark. And no, it's the New York Times. And they just said they weren't gonna pay for it, but they're still using the platform because they have fifty, I believe fifty-three million followers. To leave it and abandon it would be foolish, as especially more and more people are not reading print media. And apps, social media, the internet is how you promulgate ideals and philosophies these days. It's, or more accurately, just yell at each other. Nevertheless, there's some interesting cognitive things on there as well. But to make the decision to leave the most popular platform—that is just ridiculous, NPR, and perhaps the biggest business blunder of the day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Cannot thank everyone enough. If you like to see more content like this, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell your enemies, heck, tell anyone and everyone, just stay safe and have a great day. And don't forget, fight the good fight.